Something about the wine tastes off. You glance around. The other clansmen trade stories, laugh, and swig graciously from their wine goblets. No one else seems to notice anything. Your eyes dart to the head of the table, where Charles O'Carroll, chieftain of the O'Carroll clan, murmurs to a servant. In the flickering candlelight, Charles's thin face looks severe. You wonder, was your clan foolish to accept this invitation? As the wine settles in your stomach, you ignore the nagging voice in your head. The McMahons aren't in danger from the O'Carrolls. Your clans are allies, celebrating a victory against a rival clan. You're going to enjoy this roasted goose. Charles O'Carroll rises and claps his hands. His sudden and swift movement catches you off guard. He thanks the McMahons and attributes the success of his latest battle to you. As Charles continues his toast, your throat tightens. You can barely swallow your own saliva. The pounding in your ears makes it impossible to hear anything. Across from you, a clansman looks at you with fearful eyes. Foamy spit trails out of his mouth. Your comrades collapse, one by one. You struggle to rise from your chair, but have trouble controlling your legs. Weeping, you crawl feebly towards the doors of the great hall until Charles O'Carroll's expressionless face appears in front of yours. Through a gurgle of blood, you manage to groan. Why? Charles ignores you and pulls a knife from his cloak. Before you can say another word, the sharp blade slices your throat. Welcome to Haunted Places. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. This week, join me on a supernatural journey to Leap Castle, a fortress held by the ruthless O'Carroll clan in the 1600s. To this day, it's haunted. If you can't get enough haunted places, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcast directory, as well as on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, and on Twitter, at Parcast Network. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Towering ominously over the surrounding landscape in County Offaly, Ireland, Leap Castle resembles nothing so much as a giant gravestone, fitting as it also houses the centuries-old remains of the dead. Two wings flank the original 13th century tower, Gothic windows punctuate the cold stone walls, but little light escapes them. Peering up at the windows, visitors cannot see into the dimly lit rooms, but someone is watching them 
from the darkness beyond the windows. Someone is always watching. Leap Castle was originally named Lame Ui Vanine, which translates to Leap of the Obanans, and served as the wealthy Obanan clan's home in the 13th century. The origin of Leap Castle's name speaks to the brotherly feud which stained the land with blood. After the death of the ruling patriarch, O'Bannon's two sons had to decide who would be chief over the O'Bannon clan. Unable to come to a peaceful resolution, the two brothers decided to let a deadly competition determine who led the clan. There were no stars out that night, as though the heavens could not bear to watch what the two brothers were about to do. An icy wind nipped at Albe O'Bannon's face as he followed his older brother, Cavan, up to the winding path toward the cliff's peak, the point of no return. Albe shivered with cold. Cavan noticed and raised an eyebrow. Frightened little brother. Just cold, Albe shot back. Stop it, their sister Sersha snapped from behind them. Albe glanced over his shoulder and saw Sersha's pale face glaring at him as the wind whipped her red curls about her face. She had reluctantly agreed to be their witness, but she wasn't happy about it. You're a fool, she had told Albe. Cavan is older. Let him be our next leader. You have no proper claim. But Albe knew his brother better than anyone. Cavan was quick to anger and slow to forgive. Any perceived slight could push him to launch a war against a stronger neighboring clan. Albe could not let Cavan lead the O'Bannons to their doom. He had to rule the clan, even if it meant agreeing to Cavan's fool competition, even if it meant that one of the two brothers was about to die. Albe, Cavan, and Sersha came to a halt. They were at the highest point of the cliff. Albe glanced over the edge and saw nothing but darkness. Last chance, Cavan said with a wolfish grin. Albe did not respond. Instead, he stepped up to the very edge of the cliff. With an effort, Albe spoke, his voice echoing through the valley below. God willing, I shall build our castle on this very land, and I will lead our clan into an era of peace and prosperity. <laughs> Cavan laughed heartily. You'll be the fool for crows is what you'll be. Sersha shot them a look, filled with quiet fury. Both brothers fell silent. Cavan joined Albe at the edge of the cliff. The sun peeked over the horizon, filling the sky with a dim, red light, and illuminating the sharp rocks jutting from the ground below. The two brothers exchanged nods, then looked at Sersha, waiting for the signal. She raised a hand, and they leapt into the air. Albe felt his legs shatter as he hit the ground. He lay unmoving for what seemed like hours eyes squeezed shut against the unbearable pain. Albe forced open his eyes. His brother lay sprawled a few feet away. 
Cabin was alive. Barely. Blood seeped from Cabin's broken body. Cabin wheezed and gargled as he struggled to breathe through lungs filled with blood. Albe used his arms to drag himself across the ground to his brother. Cavan stared up at him, eyes wide and pleading. But Albe was not in a charitable mood. Groaning with pain, Albe pulled his dagger out from within the folds of his tunic. Albe raised the dagger, and Cavan's face went tight with fear. Albe... Ignoring Cavan's plea, Albe drove the knife through his older brother's heart. Leap Castle was named after a leap only one brother could survive, and cursed upon its very construction. But the O'Bannon's reign over Leap Castle didn't last very long. The bloodthirsty O'Carroll clan soon overthrew the O'Bannons. Their penchant for murdering enemies and allies alike within the walls of their fortress ensured that the castle would remain forever haunted by the ghosts of their victims. One of the most memorable murders within Leap Castle involves another pair of brothers vying for power. Their deadly struggle earned Leap Castle its most infamous nickname, the Bloody Chapel. Fifteen thirty-two was a cold, wet, and unforgiving year. Tago Carroll rose from his bed, still exhausted, but his fury overcame his weariness. He was done with these endless debates among the clansmen over who should be the next chieftain. He was done with arguing, with words, and most especially, with his father. In life, Mulrooney O'Carroll enjoyed pitting his two sons against one another. Tag and Thaddeus constantly battled for their father's favor as he egged them on, whooping and laughing every time the boys came to blows. In death, Mulrooney was no different. Tag's wretched father refused to name a successor, well aware of the struggle that would ensure after his death. Mulrooney's shriveled body wasn't cold yet before the brothers started their power grabs, and the subtle, secret rivalry had gone on for days. Today, Tag would end it. He rubbed at his bad eye. He knew his brother's nickname for him, one-eyed Tag. He knew other clansmen laughed at him when they thought he couldn't hear. He slammed his fist into the cold stone wall. When he became chieftain, he was going to slaughter every single clansman who sided with his brother. Tag buckled his sword belt over his tunic. He unsheathed his sword, admiring its gleam in the morning light. The clan needed to be led by a warrior like Tag, not a scrawny priest like his brother Thaddeus. That's when he heard it, the sound that had been slowly driving him mad. Tag knew that Thaddeus was swaying the clansmen to his side during his sermons, all under the guise of religion. You know I will best you. God is on my side. 
Thaddeus had taunted him after the last service. And Thaddeus was right. Clansmen were flocking to Thaddeus' services. It was only a matter of time before Thaddeus convinced a majority to let him rule. Unless Tag did something first. Tag stormed down the narrow castle hallways towards the chapel. Along with his growing rage, he felt something stirring within him. An ancient power, strong enough to strike Thaddeus down. Tag climbed the stairs to the chapel and threw open the doors. He ignored the shocked looks of his clansmen and focused his good eye on his brother's pale face. Tag, what are you doing? This is a house of God, Thaddeus cried. Tag didn't care. He had older gods on his side, gods of war who thirsted for blood. Muttering a prayer to the people of the mounds, Tag charged at his brother. Thaddeus scrambled to evade Tag, but he tripped on his robes. Tag leapt over a pew, cutting off Thaddeus' escape. Thaddeus fell to his knees, blubbering, please. Tag just laughed. With a wild light in his eyes, he cut Thaddeus down, laughing as his brother's blood spread across the chapel floor. Tag may have thought he was getting rid of his brother Thaddeus, but the bloody chapel is one of the most active areas of Leap Castle. Visitors often see a blood-stained priest lurking on the stairway that leads up to the chapel. Some report a light and the silhouette of a priest in the top window of the castle, where the bloody chapel is located. There's no account of Thaddeus haunting his brother, but it seems this priest chose to stay out of heaven and pursue revenge. Our story will continue in a moment, right after the break. Now, the story continues. Connor struggled as a guard marched him upstairs. Captured in a ferocious battle against Tago Carroll's clan, Connor was desperate to get away before he reached the infamous Leap Castle. But with his hands tightly bound and his legs shackled, there was no chance of escape. The guard dragged Connor into the chapel. Connor wondered if he was being offered a chance to pray. But no. The guard opened a hidden stone door in the corner of the chapel, revealing a small, empty chamber. The guard shoved Connor inside. The chamber itself seemed innocuous enough until Connor noticed the foul odor drifting up through the cracks in the floor. He could smell decaying flesh somewhere nearby, as though there was a dead animal trapped within the castle walls. Connor felt his stomach tighten. What are you going to do to me? The guard laughed and pulled a lever. A trap door opened under Connor's feet, Connor fell through the darkness until he felt something sharp pierce through his back and out his stomach. He screamed in agony. 
When Connor was a boy, he used to watch with delight as brown shrikes skewered flies on the thorn bushes in the meadow. Now, Connor knew what it was like to be a butcher bird's prey. He attempted to move, only to realize that wooden spikes had pushed their way through his stomach, his arms, his legs. He smelled blood and knew it was his own. As Connor's eyes adjusted to the darkness, he saw several more bodies impaled on wooden spikes. A child's rotting face stared into Connor's, his tiny body pierced by an ungodly number of wooden stakes. Connor heard a groan from somewhere in the darkness. He wasn't alone. Connor called out for help. Something moved in the shadows. The groans grew louder, closer. A skeletal man's face loomed over Connor. With a start, Connor recognized his cousin, Dougal, captured months ago in a skirmish with the O'Carroll's men. Dougal, I thought I'd never see you again. Dougal stared at Connor, saying nothing. A trickle of drool dripped from Dougal's mouth, but he made no move to wipe it. Another wave of pain washed over Connor. Help me, cousin, Connor whimpered. Please. Dougal stroked Connor's arm with an emaciated hand, coating his fingers in Connor's blood. Connor felt the faintest spark of hope. Dougal looked weak, true, but perhaps he was strong enough to lift Connor off the spikes. Maybe there was a chance to staunch the bleeding, a chance that Connor could live. Dougal raised his hand to his mouth, as though shocked by Connor's condition. Dougal licked Connor's blood off his fingers. What are you doing? Connor cried. Dougal lowered his face to Connor, his lips red with Connor's blood. He opened his mouth wide and bit down into Connor's flesh. Connor screamed from the pain. Dougal didn't seem to hear him. He took another large bite out of Connor's leg. The last thing Connor saw before gratefully sinking into unconsciousness was Dougal chewing, eyes closed. His face went slack with bliss as he savored the taste of his cousin's flesh. Behind a door located on the northeastern wall of Leap Castle lies a hidden dungeon of horror. Called the Oubliette, which in French means to forget, this dungeon ensured a terrible fate to all who dropped in. With no doors or windows, an Oubliette is accessible only through a trap door in its high ceiling. It's inescapable without a ladder. Leap Castle's oubliette was originally used to hide treasures during wartime. However, the O'Carrolls modified the dungeon into a death trap, where they sent prisoners and then, as the name suggests, forgot. Once pushed in the hole, prisoners fell several feet. If the victims were lucky, they'd die quickly. 
impaled on the wooden spikes the O'Carrolls installed. If the victims were unlucky, they missed the spikes. Victims could linger for days or weeks before finally dying of starvation. The Oubliette was the final resting place for hundreds of the O'Carroll's victims. And eventually, the spirits of the castle got their revenge. In 1659, Charles O'Carroll's daughter fell in love with Captain Darby, an Englishman, imprisoned in one of Leap Castle's less dangerous dungeons. The young woman, whose name is lost to history, visited her lover in secret, and the two made plans to escape. She gave Darby a sword and freed him from the dungeon. But before the pair could flee the castle, the girl's brother discovered them. Captain Darby and the heir of Clan O'Carroll crossed swords. O'Carroll smirked as he parried each one of the emaciated prisoner's blows. He would kill this Englishman and cut off his head right in front of his traitor sister. How dare she besmirch the family by giving her virtue to a rotten Englishman? O'Carroll noticed something flicker in the corner of his eye. A strange man watched him. Blood dripped from large gaping wounds in his legs, arms, and his stomach as if he'd been stabbed or impaled on wooden spikes. Who, O'Carroll began to ask, but the bleeding man disappeared. Captain Darby's sword whistled through the air. The ghost had distracted the youngest O'Carroll only for a moment, but that moment was fatal. Captain Darby's sword cut through O'Carroll's neck, nearly severing his head but he didn't die yet. As his final seconds stretched on into what seemed like eternity, he saw his sister staring down at him, smiling triumphantly. Her own brother's murder was just an inconvenience. She'd take control of Leap Castle now, and with that kind of bloodlust, she deserved it. With the heir to the castle out of the way, Darby and the O'Carroll daughter married, and their descendants inherited the castle. For centuries, the ghosts mostly left the Darbys alone. But the castle's malevolent spirits began to stir after Mildred Darby inherited Leap Castle in 1889. During one 1915 seance, Mildred reported something particularly dark. Mildred Darby was a gothic novelist who dabbled in the occult. She performed seances within Leap Castle, and her dark practices may have woken up the spirits lying in wait. Mildred stopped chanting and opened her eyes. She sighed, disappointed, and locked eyes with her friend. Absolutely nothing had happened during today's seance. But her friend's eyes were wide with fright. Do you hear that? Mildred stopped for a moment. She could hear something. It sounded like scraping noises coming from the third floor. 
But her husband was out of town. There shouldn't be anyone up there. Wait here, Mildred said. As Mildred left the parlor and climbed the stairs to the chapel, the scraping grew louder. This sounded like something heavy, walking back and forth inside of the chapel, dragging its feet along the floor. She made her way to the top of the staircase and entered the chapel. Her breathing grew shallow. What was up there? She entered the chapel. It was empty. She walked to the middle of the room and listened. Nothing. She turned to leave. But that's when it hit her. The pungent smell of sulfur. The stench was powerful. Mildred gagged. She tried to flee the chapel when... Someone grabbed her shoulder from behind. She turned to see who was there. But she was alone. Mildred was terrified. She'd seen Thaddeus, the ghostly priest, in the chapel before. But this was something new. Something dangerous. When Mildred ran for the door, it appeared. The elemental. Blue-gray and nearly as big as Mildred, the elemental's face was almost human. Almost. Its eyes were twin black voids. It was covered in coarse, woolly fur like a beast. Saliva dripped from its lipless mouth. The stench of sulfur grew stronger. Mildred shuddered. She wanted to run, but she was transfixed by the Elemental's vacuous gaze. The Elemental stepped closer, reaching for her with a clawed hand. But Mildred could see the exit to the chapel through its transparent body. The Elemental bent close. Frozen, Mildred managed to whisper a prayer. Lord, please save my soul. She closed her eyes. Mildred opened her eyes a moment later. The elemental was gone. All that remained was the stench of sulfur. Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. And now, back to our story. Mildred Darby wasn't the only one that saw the Elemental. Not long after this, two of Mildred's servants encountered the spirit. As Mildred was getting dressed, she heard the servants shrieking in the parlor. She rushed to the parlor and found the two servants cowering. The Elemental looked down on them from a staircase banister, its arms folded. Thankfully, it didn't attack. Both of Mildred's servants fled the castle the following day, and Mildred never saw the Elemental again. Nevertheless, the castle remained haunted, and the locals weren't too happy about it. Mildred Darby didn't spend all of her time at Leap Castle. When she was away, she employed a caretaker named Richard Dawkins. On July 30th, 1922, Dawkins was alone in the castle with his wife and baby. At 2.20 in the morning, 
he awoke to pounding on the door. Dawkins stuck his head out to see who could be bothering him at such a late hour. Looking down, he saw a group of men in trench coats staring up at him. What is it? he whispered, hoping not to wake up his sleeping baby. The men requested a night's lodging. Unwilling to open his home to strangers in the middle of the night, Dawkins told them to leave and slam the window shut. The men pounded even louder on the door. Frustrated, Dawkins reopened the window. The men gazed up at him, their expressions cold. We won't leave until you open this door. Dawkins armed himself with a small knife and went to meet the men at the door. When Dawkins opened the door, he was met with guns pointed at his face. One of the men grabbed Dawkins' knife. We're burning this cursed place to the ground, he warned Dawkins. Please, let me get my wife and baby, Dawkins begged them, his voice quavering. You have 20 minutes. Dawkins woke his wife and child and ushered them outside. As the family shivered in the cold, the men stormed into Leap Castle, soaking his belongings with gasoline before setting the north wing of the castle alight. The fire eventually went out after destroying most of the north wing, but the strange men weren't done trying to destroy Leap Castle. At 4.20 a.m. on July 31st, Dawkins and his family were woken up again by banging on the castle doors. The Dawkins family had moved to a lodge off the main castle, but they saw men near the castle once more. The men asked Dawkins for paraffin oil this time. After telling them he had none, the men proceeded to burn down the south wing of the castle. When Dawkins ran into town to beg for help, he was laughed at and turned away. Mildred Darby and her family returned to a castle ravaged by fire. And these acts of arson soon awakened even greater horrors hidden within Leap Castle's walls. In 1922, the Darbys began to repair Leap Castle after a group of men repeatedly tried burning it to the ground. During the restoration process, Mildred Darby uncovered the oubliette, where the O'Carroll clan had impaled their prisoners on wooden spikes. It took three carts to remove all the skeletons from the oubliette. In total, it's estimated that the Darbys extracted over 150 bodies from the dungeon. But though the Darbys were able to remove the corpses of the O'Carroll's prisoners, they weren't able to free the angry, anguished spirits lingering in Leap Castle. The disturbance of a burial ground can be a trigger for supernatural energy. When the Darbys moved the skeletons of the dead prisoners, they unleashed a myriad of tortured souls on the castle. And the ghosts didn't only haunt the Darbys. In the early 20th century, even temporary house guests were plagued by wrathful spirits. It was around 12.45 a.m. on October 31st when my eyes snapped open. Blood pounded in my ears. 
my sweat-soaked hair stuck to the back of my neck. What was happening? Where was I? I experienced brief confusion, typical of waking up in a strange place. I wasn't home. I was at Leap Castle, visiting Mildred. I was going to be fine. But I felt something in the room with me. I was covered in heavy blankets, but I was so cold I couldn't feel my toes. Then, as my eyes adjusted in the moonlight, I realized there was a tall woman standing by the window. Mildred? I asked, my voice thick with sleep. But the woman didn't respond. The woman glided towards me her face hidden within the depths of her blood-red cloak. She bent over my bed and raised a hand. A knife glittered in the moonlight. I gasped. Who are you? What do you want? The woman hesitated. Knife held aloft. Its silver glint reflected her red cloak. She aimed its point right at me. I fumbled on my nightstand for the box of matches and quickly struck a match. The red lady vanished. I sat up the rest of the night, but she never returned. Described as a tall woman wearing a red cloak, the red lady is a Leap Castle spirit who wields a knife in her hand, ready to stab the next person who encounters her. The Red Lady is thought to have been a prisoner of the O'Carrolls. An O'Carroll clansman kidnapped her, brought her back to the castle, raped her, and impregnated her. When the Red Lady gave birth, the O'Carroll clansman stabbed the infant to death. Unable to cope, the Red Lady killed herself with the same knife that the O'Carroll clansman used to murder her child. She holds on to that knife in death, tied to the pains of her life. Sadly, the Red Lady is never reported with her baby. Perhaps she's just looking for him. Or perhaps she carries the knife in search of the O'Carrolls, ready to strike anyone who hurt her. Speaking of ghosts who were hurt, our last story follows two of Leap Castle's youngest residents, who seem to be caught in a dangerous loop. You walk past Leap Castle, trying not to look at it. If you do, you know you'll see something you shouldn't. Perhaps a light on the top floor will flicker on, or you'll see the outline of a man in a window. You don't believe Leap Castle is haunted. You're too old to believe in ghosts. But still, something about it unnerves you. You take out your cell phone and text your friend, trying to distract yourself. You hold your breath as you pass the castle. Don't look at it, you tell yourself. Don't look. Out of the corner of your eye, you see a flicker of movement. You can't help yourself. You turn and look. You see the faint outline of two little girls running across the roof of the castle. 
you rush down the driveway, staring up at them from the foot of the castle, yelling to them to get down from there. It's dangerous. The girls ignore you, their laughter echoing through the cold evening air. The smallest girl drags one foot behind her, struggling to keep up with the older girl. With a leg like that, you're surprised she was able to get up onto the roof in the first place. The older girl walks right up to the edge of the castle roof, balancing on one foot. You scream, but it's too late. The girl topples over the edge. She disappears from view. But you hear her hit the ground with a thud. You rush around to the other side of the castle, trying to find the spot where the little girl fell. But she's gone. You look up. The smaller girl smiles down at you from the roof. Instead of eyes, she has two empty sockets. The little girl limps off, her bad leg dragging on the roof. And then... She vanishes. We know little about these two young ghosts beyond their names, Emily and Charlotte. Young Emily may have died after falling from the castle roof. She's commonly seen falling from the roof by passersby. Even less is known about the other little girl, Charlotte. She's simply a little girl with a twisted leg. Perhaps Emily and Charlotte were sisters, unwilling to part from each other, even in death. Or perhaps in true O'Carroll fashion, Charlotte was tripped and Emily was pushed. Supposedly, the ghosts of Leap Castle are no longer hostile. Supposedly, they ignore most visitors. And supposedly, the oubliette is blocked off and the elemental has disappeared. But if you enter, pray the ghosts welcome you with open arms and not a raised knife. Thank you for listening to Haunted Places. Don't forget to subscribe to Haunted Places on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Thursday. We'll see you next week. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Ron Shapiro. With production assistance by Joel Stein and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Haunted Places is written by Vanessa Benton. I'm Greg Paulson. <laughs>